clap, clap, clap. <laughs> It'll sync up. It's not going to come through. That's <laughs> <all the time. laughs> not how that works. If I do it loud enough, it will. <laughs> okay, okay, let's try it out. Uh, go ahead and clap. I'm clap, right next to the clap, 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 clap. Is it working? Let me let me zoom in on the waveform. <laughs> It's super not working. Great. Love it. <laughs> okay. Well, that's just as good as it working, I think. This ain't our first bulletproof heart radio. It's Think Outside the Box set, the internet's only hot take outrage machine. I'm Nathan Hunt. And I'm Cameron DeWitt, and I heart Bulletproof Heart Radio <laughs> Yeah, um, is our sponsor <laughs> for this episode. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I kept trying to like search for this album, like on the Genius, for instance, and I kept getting results for a My Chemical Romance song. Oh, um, yes. So I, th- I think it's, I think it was some, I think it appeared... I think it's the name of a song on an album that we uh, um, yeah. covered. I think it was like the Joy Well, Killers good thing I remember all of those songs so things. thoroughly. Yes. <laughs> They're so memorable. And uh, <laughs> I, it's so many lyrics and melodies that really stick with you, you know, really change who you are <laughs> as a person. Uh, what a disappointing season. It was only like four albums and like there was so much lore that was so completely unsupported uh mm-hmm. by by the text of the music mm-hmm. in a way that like i thought icp was bad but at <laughs> least in icp albums they would always have like one song that actually explored the theme mm-hmm. of what the album was supposed to be about right if not more than one and yeah that those albums were just like they're <laughs> just these shitty fanfic novels Basic. i mean it turns out gerard way just wanted to make comic books and so when he started doing that he seems happy he seems happier doing that i don't know yeah well He's good good successful for i guess umbrella academy on netflix this is, check it out now yeah i mean if you gotta i don't know i watched the first season i i, mean, I didn't watch it i i've i've heard some mixed things about it apparently elliot page is quite good on it um but then again yeah, he's always the been character great is very distressed disturbing it's really? a it's in a very unsettling character and not oh. like in a particularly fun way oh hmm. um, okay and also in a very kind of femme internalized misogyny way in a way that i haven't necessarily oh. like it's it was hard to watch uh-huh. um which might be like i don't know this depiction endorsement etc <laughs> wave of the hand <laughs> <laughs> seems like a good uh <laughs> cap yeah. to that what we were talking about um <laughs> but yeah this album's called bulletproof heart 1989 um this, this is, is season 22 we're covering grace oh, right, jones yeah. this is the penultimate episode as mm-hmm. far as yet as yet maybe she'll make more i wonder if there's any whispers of her making any albums more recently. <laughs> she appeared on the gorillas album humans uh but nothing on the wikipedia says uh that she's working on a new album or anything What'd you uh what'd you think of this one? Uh I wasn't really into it. I um No me neither. <laughs> yeah, I I hate to be that person who's like, eh, they went mainstream, but 
it's shocking to me that the Grace Jones that two albums ago was so incredibly like avant-garde and freaky and um, experimental and yes. coloring outside the lines. And then she just made two follow-up albums of pretty generic 80s pop. Yeah, and it's not just the instrumentation and the arrangements. It's also like kind of like the the lyrics are not particularly deep mm-hmm. and not self-reflective in the way that we are starting to mm-hmm. get a little bit of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're, and they're also like I don't know some of the earlier albums are just were so like sexually explicit. Yeah, um, sex positive. Sexy. Yeah, and uh, I really like that too. <laughs> Yeah, and there's not that much of that in here either. Barely a trickle and, of gay. Um, yeah, it, it kind of feels like a like a you know a Reagan era like yeah album. It does. <laughs> there's even a song called "Crack Attack," which oh is my God. a huge, huge bummer. I mean, yeah, spoilers. I for, mean, <laughs> we'll talk about. Oh, I yeah. have to like. That song, I mean, maybe we should talk about it when we get to that song. Yeah. Um, I ha- I went through a whole thing listening to that song. <laughs> Your whole emotional and My experience arc. Is, uh, is, you know, the definitive one, the one that matters. Yeah, I exactly. I have the ultimate taker. Yeah, definitive. On the, I think on is the, the word I would crack use. epidemic yeah. and the p- politicizing <laughs> of it in the 80s. <laughs> um, Before I was born. Yes. She's. This is the time when she's getting more mainstream success. In in a lot, we're more mainstream visibility okay. success. I don't. I don't think her music is getting more successful though. She's appearing in some high profile films. Um, let's see. Uh, how did Wikipedia characterize it? Um, I think like her breakthrough into like mainstream cinema or acting. I think is like a, a phrase I remember reading on Wikipedia. Um, yeah, because like she's been in, you know, a James Bond movie, a Conan movie, a bunch of other stuff that I've never heard of and does not seem to have stood the test of time, like yeah. uh, a movie called Vamp, um, for which she was nominated. She was awarded a Saturn Award for Best Supporting Actress. Oh, um, that's like a sci-fi awards, right? Sci-fi fantasy. That's what I thought, right? Saturn Award in a genre film. That sounds cool. Maybe, maybe uh, she watched that multiple times. Look at that. Um, what did she win it for? Oh, good. I just closed. Did that she tab. win it for Only Lovers Left Alive? Is that a genre film? Oh yeah, it's a Jim Jarmusch vampire movie. Oh uh, what? Oh that that's the one. Okay, yeah yeah yeah. Now I'm, I know what you did. She win it for that. Uh, she won for the Curious Case of Benjamin Button, which I did oh. not remember her being in. Uh, and then in do- for Doctor Strange, playing the Ancient One. Oh, uh, inter- an interesting choice <laughs> to award. Yeah. Huh. I haven't seen the movie. She but... did a great job, all things considered. Like, <laughs> like, I don't think they made the right choice, but, mm-hmm. you know. Is that the one where the character is supposed to be, like, Tibetan or Mongolian, and they just hired Tilda Swinton? E- well, yeah. So, basically, they wanted to avoid having a... F- I think the character is, like... I think maybe Marvel invented Fu Manchu, like, as a character and, like, the phrase. No, that that came from a series of novels from some, like, 
uh, Rudyard Kipling level horrific oh, okay. uh, British imperialist guy. I think <laughs> they had a very Fu Manchu kind of like character, like a a, a magical um, Asian uh, like mystic um, who's supposed to like lead Doctor Strange through his through his journey, and you know, mm-hmm. um, basically an Asian version of the archetype of the magical uh, black person mm-hmm. um the magical and Asian. uh and instead um they were like oh so we can't do that so what if we ha- hire tilda swinton and have the ancient one be like an ancient celt um, oh okay which is an which is an interesting idea yeah. i don't think is in a vacuum problematic um but the problem is they she didn't speak Celt, like Celtic, mm-hmm. and she didn't have a Celtic, like any sort of Celtic accent or brogue at all. She was just British, mm-hmm. and she just kind of came across as everyone knows that in the past and in fantasy worlds, people just speak in British accents. All the time. I mean, that's just right. how people talked for yeah, thousands totally. of years, <laughs> and in uh, Game of Thrones times, and in yeah. uh, the Russian court in a in a TV show called The Great. <laughs> Uh, so like I, they, they mention in the text of the movie, like, oh yeah, she's like Celtic or whatever, but like, they don't actually lean in. They, they just did the bare minimum to try to kind of divorce her from whiteness, but it's still just like, she's just, you just whitewash this problematic character. They, she never um, even mentions her lucky charms, let alone if anyone's after them. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I think, <laughs> I, th- I think clearly what they should have done is just like uh, hired, I don't know, someone else, <laughs> <laughs> someone uh, like a non-white person who wasn't a stereotype, even an Asian person that wasn't a stereotype, you know, yeah, just that's, like that's make a good character. Yeah. Like if you're confronted with a, a problematic character who's like an ethnic quote unquote, um, yeah. One choice is just like make them white and then you don't have to deal with any of the problems. But on the other hand, now you're just whitewashing a character and reducing the amount of like characters of color in the canon, which is not zero sum. particularly high anyway. And uh like denying an Asian actor the opportunity to have a job also. So Do you know what I do you know who I think did a great job at this? I don't. And I if I were to read it again, I might go back on this. Ah. So like, don't hold me. Uh-huh. <laughs> don't hold, you know, I might, I'm willing to be say, you know, proven wrong. But, um, in the, in the book, the stand, mm. have you read the stand? I haven't. I, it's, I, it's on my list. Um, Stephen King has a, a reputation for having magical black characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to, have a hot take about this that I hold very lightly. And if, Ooh, and if any uh, black folks listening um, want to say that is an illegitimate take, you should take that back. I will take it back. <laughs> um, but I want to make an argument that for all of Stephen King's kind of messiness, I, I think he legitimately cares about every character that he writes and he gives them interesting things to do and say and think, and they have their own agency and they have their own motivations. And, um, I think they're, 
I think he there's writes plenty good characters. of magical white people too. There's there's exactly. plenty of magical like people or situations. I think like the most problematic part of that whole trope is like if the only magical person is the black person because then it makes them this like sort of other yeah. uncanny like are they even human type like feeling and that yeah. is very othering yeah. and that's not good and terrible but if like your all of your stories are filled with like supernatural shit like i think it even like even that makes it less problematic to me yeah and the the stand in particular is an ensemble cast and it is like everyone kind of like gets equal time and there is a a a like over a hundred year old black woman like moses type character um who is this like prophet and like leader of the group and she is not just there to support the character develop she has like some of the best character development in that entire book mm-hmm. and she's like profoundly flawed and like uh and and in in really interesting human ways and is just a fantastic character i think mm-hmm. i would have to read it again and see if i still feel that way um cuz some of stephen king's the way he like <laughs> yeah his his uh short story the legend of bagger vance i think was like Kind of low key problematic. No, no, he did didn't. he write that? <laughs> no, he didn't. Okay, I'm just joking. Because <laughs> that's like some problematic stuff. Isn't that famous as like one of the most egregious examples? I haven't seen it, but it's supposed to. be I like think really so. Bad, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, anyway, all that is to say, um, I don't really like Bulletproof Heart, and I don't know mm. what to say about it. Um, uh, I thought that it was a better it, so pop album than the last one. But not mm. in a way that I can talk about. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's ooh. pretty generic, honestly. I mean, we'll definitely have some stuff to say about Crack Attack. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm really it's a great curious. snappy title. Yeah. <laughs> Crack Attack. I'm really curious if, like, okay, well, we should talk about some of the interpersonal stuff um, because okay. for so long Grace Jones was collaborating with Jean Paul Good, and I think. Um, he seems like a wacko racist. Um, see my <laughs> That's a really uh, bad guy. Disco- he's a really bad guy. Uh, see my discovery of his Wikipedia article. And I think the last episode is when I like actually started reading some of the shit that's on it. It's pretty shocking, um, pretty appalling. Um, but I think it's hard to deny that like he and Grace Jones together produced some pretty interesting work. Like he seemed to push her in a more like experimental, somewhat transgressive um, direction, like more that this is a dumb word to use, but like more quote unquote artistic. um, Sure. You know, (laughs) more Lady Gaga and less, um, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Cindy Lauper. Although I fucking love Cindy Lauper. I mean, she's not like yeah, a, Cindy Lauper. She's not, you know, doing she's a lap dulcimer player. I didn't know that. Or maybe I did. Maybe you did tell me that. I don't know. Yeah, I said it on the show. Um, where was I going with that? Uh, Lakes. Oh yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I think as, as awful as he was, I think, um, he produced some like super memorable covers for her albums. He seems to have influenced her. I don't know to what degree she influenced him, except as just like his 
uh, living, posable figurine. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. He, he kind of seems to just move up from one to another. Um, yeah, so I have a lot of weird and complicated feelings saying this, but, like, you know, that that seemed to... Whether or not it's related to him, that seemed to coincide with, to me, her most mus- uh, musically interesting stuff and lyrically interesting. And yeah, her most experimental and avant-garde by far was her like breakup album with him, where she sort of like confronted how um, the music industry conceptualizes her, how he conceptualized her, um, which is yeah. uh, Slave to the Rhythm. Um, yeah, and then after that, she's like well and fully broken up with him. She ends up marrying Chris Stanley. Um, who, oh, the co-writer on a lot of these mm-hmm. songs and the co-producer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so he he was not um, the producer or the writer on the last album, Inside Story, but he is on this one. I think at the time this is released, uh, he's they're married also. Yeah. <laughs> on Bulletproof Heart. Jones would work with producer Chris Stanley, who at that time had become her first husband. Kind of a weird way to phrase that, but whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. And it was also produced by uh, two people from CNC Music Factory, um, who at that time I don't think were very high profile, but um, they made everybody dance now a couple years later. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Such a good song. Yep. <laughs> And definitely not overplayed, especially in like uh, sports movies and t- video games and stuff. Um, yeah, so I don't know. It, I can't, it almost feels like she's kind of losing interest in music as artistic expression, and she's more just like wanting to become a celebrity. And maybe that's not fair. Maybe she, like her live shows are still um, pushing the envelope, but yeah, her recorded output is. Yeah, honestly, like just like kind of generic '80s pop, middle of the road stuff, and it, I don't think it sold well. Yeah, it didn't even get hit the charts for anywhere but Australia and Germany, at least according to Wikipedia. Yeah, um, I think what we've kind of learned about Grace Jones is that when when she's trying to do a conventionally uh, accessible thing, she doesn't really pop. Mm-hmm. Like when she's trying to do disco, it's like this isn't the best disco. Disco right. is great. This is not great disco. When she's following this is fine. Like, trends, yeah. yeah. When she's doing late '80s pop music, it's like this is fine. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything to say about it. It's pretty unremarkable. But when she is hanging out with arts, art, art scene weirdos, mm-hmm. and when she's making new wave music. And when she is being self-reflective and talking about her own personal story, mm-hmm. she's really interesting. Um, and it that, is popping. Yeah, that also coincided with like her her more connecting with. I forget what age she was when she moved to the U.S., but the place she was born, like the Caribbean, like the, all those yeah. albums with like the art school weirdos were all, also the ones where she was like going down to the Caribbean to. Um, yeah. Like record with the Compass Point All Stars, so you had like the new wave with like the reggae sort of uh, tinge to it. Um, yeah, is that like what was that song? Jamaican guy, my Jamaican, my Jamaican guy. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that shit was just like this is great and so specific. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love when she has specific things to say. Yes, 
which means that like I love a few of the songs from that era and I love anytime she's interviewed. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Let's, um, how about we talk about, uh, Oh, all the sound samples that I haven't, um, loaded up. Uh, quick. Yeah, I only have time. three of them. <laughs> uh, not only have I not downloaded yours, I haven't even loaded up mine. So cool. Uh, <laughs> Stall, stall, Cameron, stall, 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 stall. Uh, well, what il- what else is there to say about uh, Grace Jones? Shut up, shut up, shut up! And- You're so boring. I- I'm so tired. Let's listen to Deriving Satisfaction. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> give me that driving satisfaction. Give me, give me that driving satisfaction. Need your reaction. I um, if if I thought they were trying to be funny by putting those like car peeling out noises, I would be really amused by them. But I don't think they're trying to be. I think they're trying to like sound cool and whatnot. And yeah. that's also amusing, but in a, in a different way. <laughs> hey, but before we talk about the lyrics, uh, do you think? that this song has the James Bond chord progression because uh, she was a villain in a Bond film? Or do you think it's a coincidence? Oh. Let's see. It was This is four years after she was in a James Bond movie. Yeah. Because hmm. it goes... Do, 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 do. It's that counterpoint to the don't no 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 mm-hmm. that part. Mm-hmm. I I have I don't know I I don't think I have a way of answering that question. Yeah, well, play the sound sample I made so people can like, with that in mind, take a listen and see if you can recognize it. Oh, that would require me having uh, already been able to download it. Yeah. Hey, I think you said shut up, shut up, shut up. No, I thought th- that for meant my that you were already ones, ready. Not for. <laughs> <laughs> not for the ones that you uh, uploaded uh i am downloading them now but uh i don't know um yeah well yeah uh, so we'll, well, we'll get while to that we're waiting i want to say that um uh the video game goldeneye in the soundtrack for the like lobby screen of that has been having kind of a renaissance on tiktok the weirdest thing like pop up on tiktok yeah. and start being popular i i don't get it but it but it's i think it's worth it because it is weird it is random but it's also like yeah that was a fucking great like (laughs) remix of the bond theme it's probably the coolest (laughs) remix of the bond theme Uh, james bond gold is it is it just the video game that has it or is it was it also just the video game only it's all yeah the n64 yeah i don't think they have it in the i haven't seen the movie but it's definitely like a video game sound Uh, it's like kind of low res interesting are you gonna pull it up and play it trying to there's a bunch of remixes Ah, i bet they mm, at least on youtube i think they are they they have like people are making their own remixes of it but i don't think they have the actual like 
the real I think one. I, I think found it. Um, really? I, I may, maybe I can drop it in the in the Discord for you here. Oh, um, maybe it's because I put the word remix in there. Right. Uh, Gold Knight sixty four music. I think this is it. Okay. Oh, there it is. This isn't the lobby screen. This is different. This is some 90s X-Men shit. It really is. <laughs> yeah. It, it's kind of cool, though. I mean, it's great. Man, I wish I could find it. Uh, so it's, it's the lobby music? Yeah. Here's the pause music. Is that the same thing? Like when with the watch? Maybe. It's, we swear this is more interesting than talking about this person. <laughs> yes! Yeah. Uh. Yeah. yeah. James Bond. Double seven. Oh. <laughs> the vibraphone. Yeah, this is the best. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's like a trap a beat. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! It's so good. so interesting because it's like we know what's coming like we know all these the, like every note of this and it's not like it's straying from the melody or even like yeah. a orchestration or anything but it's still like so cool and satisfying yeah it's the like sound yeah the like weird echoing sound yeah that's yeah, cool slappers only that rules <laughs> all right well uh, Did you download my sound samples yet? Oh yeah, like millions of years ago. Come on. <laughs> Here we go. Oh yeah. There's even there's like specifically like a synth playing that same like like you said counterpoint line. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so like I don't know what the actual pitches are, but the scale degrees are five flat six major six flat six five that's the counterpoint which mm-hmm. is so iconic and i think it's so iconic because it's like it's such a minor key melody mm-hmm. um but when the counterpoint goes to da 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 it go, uh, go when it goes to the major six. It creates a Dorian scale, which m- gives it this like lift. Mm, mm-hmm. And so I think that's part of the reason why that Bond kind of chord progression is so compelling, mm-hmm. is because it's like this oh, this like little uh. eyebrow, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, I don't want to talk about this fucking song. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's so generic. It's it's like a it's like a, a much less interesting version of "Pull Up to the Bumper." Um, yeah, that one was not necessarily about butt sex. This one is definitively not about butt sex. I think <laughs> <laughs> there isn't even like not it, even a whiff. It doesn't go anywhere near the butt. <laughs> it's not even within miles of a butt. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Um, kicked around, I guess? Yeah, kicked around. Let's get kicked around, y'all. And I've been upside down. 
very Papa will forget you. Kicked around is the line she was just starting to sing. Um, I like that she's hollering on this song. That's a fun mode for her to be in, I think. Um, yeah, I enjoy her voice. Yeah. Uh, it's It I does think- have some entertaining lyrics. I've been pulled to pieces. I've got an arm over here. I've got a leg over there. I've got my ass somewhere upside down. Do you know what that reminds me of? What's that? That ICP song. There's an oh, ICP song. His back like, gets cut kinda, off. Well, <laughs> there's an ICP song early on where someone is like a zombie and they're like leaving their parts all over town. That's right. Yeah. It's like a Violent J character. Maybe and, they were inspired uh, by this Grace Jones song. Yeah, maybe. The ICP Grace I guess, Jones Yeah, connection. this predates it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By only a couple I have years. a sound sample of that if you want to play it. Yes, I do. I mean, pull the pieces. Got an arm over here. Got a leg over there. Got my ass somewhere upside down. Got my ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's upside wild. down ass. Upside down ass. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's like some fun lyrical moments here. Um, thought that I was standing tall. Turned out I was the ball. And you know what? I've been kicked around. Yeah. Um, there's not really. That's really weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thought I was standing tall. Turns out I was the ball. Because there's not really any other like reference to like sports or any other kind right, of right, right. Like, ball activity. Um, yeah, it's funny that she says the, like the definitive. I was yeah, the ball. The one ball. It's like, I was a ball. The uniball. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, she says it again, actually. Turned out I was the ball, you kicked, you pushed. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I don't know. It's, there's some fun, like, lyrical moments, but it, it really just feels like a pretty ungrounded story. I mean, I... I could imagine someone like writing this from a place of autobiography. No need to come begging to me. My heart is deaf to your plea. The hurt you have planted has grown much in me. I'm going to lie to you. Get you away from me. Uh, or get away from me. Um, yeah, but like... I think that Grace Jones's lyrics and r- delivery, her lyric writing and melody writing for the delivery of these lyrics, is... It feels like stuff that would work really nicely in the reggae genre. Uh, um, hmm. I remember listening to Bob Marley thinking like, these are not concise songs. Mm-hmm. These are songs that are like, you know, there's an inconsistent amount of like syllables from right. like line to line. Mm-hmm. And he's just sort of saying what he wants to say and like having very loose rhyme structures. Um, but because it is delivered in this kind of like lovely, lazy way over mm-hmm. this incredible band, mm-hmm. it just makes sense. Yeah. But often, uh, Grace Jones is Grace Jones is trying to take that kind of unsuccinct, unsuccinct, un like not very tight lyric writing and storytelling and melody and not, not just like the notes. I mean, not just the pitches, but the, like the durations of the notes, you know, the rhythm Mm -hmm. of the notes. It's like not very tight, but she's trying to apply it to other genres. Yeah. And I think the best that she gets, uh, gets away with it is in the new wave stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, 
because it's the, the to support. Reggae. Yeah, because it's yeah. closer to reggae and like, and even the stuff that's not reggae is like so interesting um, that it can kind of like hold it up. Um, but when I'm just listening to like a to me what sounds like kind of a generic '80s pop song, it isn't as interesting to me as like you know Prince. Yeah. <laughs> or um, Simple Minds, mm-hmm. you know, like, or mm-hmm. any of that other stuff. It's just like, it sounds like a copy with not as good songwriting. Mm-hmm. But like, I feel like the style of songwriting really lends itself to, to reggae um, or to something that has a, that has baked into it as a genre, less specificity and more, and like this sort of like, we will get around to saying the thing that we want to say. Mm-hmm. And the point isn't writing an essay. Right. But yeah. I feel like in the pop genre, it has to be an essay. Like, it has to be like, here are my points. Mm-hmm. I'm backing them up. I'm delivering them with a perfect sort of like cadence and rhythm. Mm-hmm. And it's just like tight. It's like all of those, uh, is it Max Martin? Those yeah. like Britney mm-hmm. Spears songs. Yeah. You know, those are like, impeccable pop songs where it's just like so clear every line has a purpose and and it's delivered it's just like you know completely refined and i don't think grace jones is interested in doing that which makes sense to me yeah like uh but i don't think that this medium is helping the way that she wants to write songs yeah that makes sense to me yeah, I think I agree. Um, I'm not making a value judgment of writing unconcise or songs that like uh, unconcise songs or songs that aren't tight. Um, right. I think that that can be really lovely. Yes. That's the point I'm trying to make. It, mm-hmm. But it's like in this medium of like mainstream pop music, it feels just sort of sloppier mm-hmm. than the things it's competing for attention with. Right. I agree. Yeah. Um, let's see. Do you want to talk about love on top of love? No. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to do a little bit. Okay, so great. So I'm going to make us do it. Imagine driving around in your Toyota Cressida in the year 1989 and hearing <laughs> this song come on the radio. My first car was a 1989 Toyota Cressida, I think. Um, really? I think it was an 89, yeah. Uh, wow. I got that thing up above 100 miles an hour on a lonely <gasps> country road one time. That sounds lovely. That sounds like like a lovely moment in the life of Nathan Hunt. It was a lovely moment. Thanks for sharing that with us. Kind of of terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. Imagine driving around in your car, 1989, hearing this song come on the radio. Who do you think it is? I don't think you're thinking Grace Jones. Her, her, you know, previous, some like her previous albums, they had like a pretty distinctive quality to them. You'd hear them and be like, oh, okay, this is a Grace Jones song. Like, or right. this is, 
you know, you can hear the distinctiveness of her voice in it. Um, and, you know, the the last song, the um, Kicked Around, had more of distinctiveness on her voice. But this one feels like really generic, feels like they produced her voice to sound as much like everything else that was on the radio in 1989. It's almost designed yeah. to, like, blend in and become indistinguishable from just, like... It's the, a bit like lower pitched than a typical femme voice, but ultimately it feels pretty, like, kind of blends in. Yeah. Um, it feels like a Paula Abdul song. Yeah. Or something. That's a great, that's, that's who I think I was thinking of, like, what does this remind me of? Yeah, Paula Abdul uh, is a good uh, connection. Um, I think there is, there's some fun bonkers lyrics in here that I like. Yeah. Uh, it the, the, the song opens with, yeah, and then... If I had two lips, I could give you that killer kiss and make a smack on your leg, make you forget about everything else. So she's saying that she doesn't have two lips. Is she above or below that number? Do you, do you think? And like, <laughs> I gotta know. How is she counting? Like, is this a uh, like face lips and not to be crude, but like face lips and okay. labia situation? Or okay, like, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, I regret that. Um, it's, it's, yeah, you can talk so, about labia. <laughs> well, to be to I yeah, it's not. I'm not. Com- it's not. I'm not uncomfortable talking about labia. It's that uh, being crass about it um, for me. Uh, but yeah, it's just like it's so such a funny opening line. If I had two lips, I could give you that killer kiss. What could that possibly mean? <laughs> If only, if only I'm just a I had two lips. <laughs> this lipless monstrosity. Or maybe she's if triple lip. Maybe she's got like one like in the center between the other two. <laughs> now that sounds like a killer kiss. <laughs> it does sound like a killer kiss. Yeah. You know when you like sort of stick your tongue out so it makes it look like another lip. Oh yeah. We're doing a lot of visual work. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's watching on the Discord right now. <laughs> Having a good time over here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just for us. Um, But I don't need no extra help. I'm already too much for one man. In love, you love and love. Love to be loved over and over again. So that that line about, I don't need no extra help. I'm already too much for one man. That's pretty fun. That sounds like some of the Grace Jones bravado we've heard before. Yes. Um, And then she starts sounding like a gum commercial. I'll give you soothe Uh cooling action. Juicy lipped passion. <laughs> I'm what you want. I'm what you need. You're totally right. <laughs> this was probably licensed for like juicy fruit in like 1990 uh, or something. It's like it really sounds like a commercial. <laughs> there's some like weird like dissociative lyrics in here. That sexy looking mouth is me. <laughs> I am the mouth. I'll, I I myself am mouth. I think uh, is what Milton's Satan famously said. (laughs) Um, If you want a killer kiss, come and get it. Come and get my love on top of love. Is, is, is that the lips is one lip love and the other lip, the other love on top of love. Is that what that is supposed to be? Or is she like saying, please climb on top of me or I'm going to like, you know, you know, mount on top of you. Like, what is the love on top of love? It's the title of the it's song. It's really, it's hard to say. 
Um, I yeah, I miss pull up to the bumper. Yeah, I do too. Where the an- the level of ambiguity was her having to say it's not necessarily about a dick in my arse. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Like that's the level of ambiguity we were working with. Yep. It's like people are like, what what are you talking about specific? <laughs> what sex act? And in this, it's just like. What are you talking about at all? Yeah. (laughs) What is any of this? (laughs) Why don't you have two lips in this song? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. The second verse. It's 10 o'clock. Time for the second shift. Another man. Another love. Another kiss. I'm. So that's like all well and good. She's, you know, her poly thing. Uh, But then she says, I'm talking about jungle love. Tastes like cherries after paradise. I'm a mean. I mean a cooler passion. My killer kiss hot as ice. Uh, and then, I love those jungle cherries. <laughs> you know, like, the jungles are famous for being good cherry-growing regions. <laughs> ah, the jungles of Yakima. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, cherries after paradise. And then the end of that verse is, that sexy-looking pout is me. So now it's not even just a mouth. It's the way a mouth is cast that that's what she is. She's the pout. Uh, I really love like, uh, like jokes about like the locus of personhood. Uh, (laughs) We've probably talked about on this on air before the flight of the Concords where, where their friend Dave, I think in the show is Mm -hmm. talking about how Dave's my favorite character by far. Yeah, he's so great. He's talking. He's talking about how he uh, he knew someone who got in trouble with some like mobsters, and he owed the money or whatever. And they cut they cut his whole body off. Well, they grabbed his dick and they cut his whole body off. Yeah. Well, first he says they cut his whole body off, and they're like, "What are you talking?" He's like, "All that was left was his dick." <laughs> And and there's this sort of like stealth joke of like to Dave the locus of personhood is like inside of the penis yes. and everything else is extra to be excised from your person. Mm-hmm. Which it which is just like such a bizarre way of but that's not even the point that he's trying to make. He's trying to tell like a shocking story mm-hmm. and through telling this story he reveals something that he's completely self uh, unaware of. <laughs> yes, exactly. The, the the heart and the brain and the soul, all right there in the dick. Um, yeah. This song was more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, good. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about Paper Plan? It's kind of an interesting... Uh, it's maybe the most lyrically interesting song on this album. Yeah, a little... It's a, it's a little bit... Carrie, get out your cane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk about it. We don't need no piece of paper from the city hall is a yeah. different is a line from a different song from that album. That's not Carrie. Um, yeah. <laughs> my, is it called my old man? 
Oh, my bad. I, for some reason, I always like picture those being the same person because mm. it's like my old man and Carrie, you're a mean old daddy. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. You're of right. Things. That is a different song. Mm-hmm. Sorry. We don't need no piece of paper from the city hall keeping us tight and true, uh, I think is how that line goes. Um, and this song is similar. Don't need no ring, no wedding band. We don't need no paper plan. Just take my hand for you're my man. All we need to understand. The rules of love are way beyond ordinary man. We've got marriage of the heart. Nothing is going to keep us apart. I think that's the entire chorus. It is a little funny that like she <laughs> she's sort of saying like, we are going to have a forever monogamous relationship. <laughs> um, but, but we don't need paperwork to bring into it. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, she's still, like, sort of appealing to this, like, grand, like, monogamous fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, but but she's just enough aloof of, like, the state being involved. It's sort mm-hmm. of like a libertarian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Like, which is funny coming from her because she's, I don't know exactly her story, but it seems like she fucks a lot and like she fucks Mm -hmm. who she wants. And that's kind of like the impression that I get. And, uh, yeah, it is maybe really interesting to see her indulging in like the rhetoric of, um, love will stay from then until forevermore. Love is the tie that binds. Did Grace Jones become a conservative in the eighties? Well, yeah, like, I don't know her, like, relationship history. Maybe she found, like, a a partner that she stayed with. Uh, I don't know. Let's check the Wikipedia. Let's check the Wikipedia. Yeah. Okay. Um, personal life. That would be under personal life. In her memoir, she disputes rumors that she married Chris Stanley, who is the producer of this album. Okay. Which is funny, because the article for this album on Wikipedia says that they were married. Uh, the quote uh-huh. that she gave is truth is I only ever married one of my boyfriends, Attila Altanbe, a Muslim from Turkey. That's a, Hmm. The, hmm. The most interesting thing about him. <laughs> the only notable things about this person are that he is a Muslim and he's from Turkey. Ha. Huh. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, fine. Yeah. She was with Dolph Lundgren for a while. Right. Um, she started dating yeah, she's, Danish actor. And she's not mating for life here. Is yeah. I think the point we're, we're getting at. Yeah. In fact, the very next year after this album comes out, she starts dating a Danish st- stunt dude named Sven Ola Thorsen. And then she was in an open relationship as of 2007. All right. Yeah. That's, that sounds about right. Yeah, so th- I mean, this feels like really false coming from her. It's like, like the, I mean, not not every song writer, not every artist has to only have autobiographical songs, right? Right, of, of course. course. But it's like it's taking such a firm stance and seems so contrary to what she actually like the truth that she's living that it's it's really weird. I don't know. Yeah, like if it was like. If I felt like she had something wonderful to say about, like, unerring monogamous feelings and, like, something really beautiful and artistic to say about that, uh, then it would be like, okay, fine. If you wanted to, like, write that and it wasn't necessarily reflective of your life, Mm -hmm. then that would be great. Um, But because it doesn't seem personal, 
it it seems cynical. Yeah. Or seems like a sort of pandering bit of art making. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I'm going to write a, a song about this idea mm-hmm. that isn't specifically important to me. Yeah. I mean... Or maybe it was. Maybe this is how she was feeling at the time. Like, maybe she thought she had found very this possible. Stanley guy and she was, like, really swept up in it and was like, this is it. This is, like, who yeah. I'm going to be with the rest of my life. And then by the next yeah. year, she was dating some Dane. It is, like, 35 years ago or whatever. Like, yeah. you know, we're speaking from way in the future. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, like monogo- monogamy normativity was like even more normative than mm-hmm. it was today. And maybe she was just still filtering her experiences through this lens of like, well, hopefully eventually I get like the one, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ser- serial monogamists mm-hmm. and all that. Well, let's talk about crack attack. Let's talk about crack attack. <laughs> Well, I asked the question, did she become a conservative in the 80s? And this might, this song might hold the answer. Um, oh, my God. She, she all but uses the word, like, super predator in this. It's, it's a huge, <laughs> huge bummer. Um, you stand there, stutter, brains like butter. You dissed your father, sister, your mother. Times have tried too hard to your answer to give up instead of life up? Instead of live up? That can't be right. There's got to be errors in the genius. Uh, to live up to the stance of a man, understand that I'm a right hand. Five out of five will die from crack, and on my left, the birth, the same. That doesn't seem birth. true. This is this is not this is jumbled nonsense. I think they just I don't know misheard all that. The kid once did, and now his death is echoed around the world for all. To oh, hear. this is all the rap, isn't it? Oh, because you're right. There's a it rapper. I, I took I took that rap sound sample. This okay. isn't even Grace. Yeah, let's listen to it. You stand there, stutter, brains like butter. You dissed your father, sister, your mother. Times have tried too hard to your answer to give up instead of live up to the stance of a man. Understand that I'm a right hand. Five out of five will die from cracking on my left. The birth and the same breath a kid once did. And now his death is echoed around the world for all to hear. So let's have a merry new year. Yo, Grace. Grace, Grace, Grace. Skolem, Skolem, Skolem. Yo, Grace, Skolem. Oh. I think hip hop's come a long way. <laughs> it has. I, I mean, there's obviously. I mean, Eric B. and Rakim had like released "Follow the Leader." I think the year previous to this. Like, yeah. there's amazing hip hop already at this time. Sure. This is yeah. Um, I mean, is there an argument that there wasn't as much amazing hip hop as there is now? Probably, yeah. And there was a yeah. lot more examples of really uh, basic, not very good stuff. Um, yeah, this is the guy from CNC Music Factory, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, Freedom <laughs> is is his is rapping name. Um, yeah, it it just goes to show you like how 
much vocal inflection is important to the meaning of sentences uh, yes. and is mostly like imitated by punctuation of which there is none on the genius. So of course, yeah. Uh, there's a little boy who lives down the way. I heard he's crazy from crack in his brain. He's lost. Now he's taken over a crack attack. Don't do it. Cheap high. Say no. She literally freaking tip her gore Just bullshit. Say no. Yeah. She literally has to, <sighs> Uh, then she says, though I wonder who is to blame, all this epidemic is driving me insane. I can tell you that. I mean, uh, how about Ronald Reagan and his demonic cabal of fascists and CIA agents and Oliver North and CEOs? I mean, yeah, it's... I feel like we have to give... I don't know. I wasn't really conscious uh, during the time, Mm -hmm. you know, but like, I was... Less than one year old. Mm-hmm. But um, I, w- I would have to imagine that, like, while this crackhead epidemic is happening, um, maybe people don't exactly understand what is happening. And maybe it isn't, like, widespread knowledge of, like, why this is happening. Um, and we can't necessarily hold Grace Jones and Freedom responsible for having a perfect take about this while they're in the middle of it uh, in a pre-internet era. And mostly what they're saying is, this is all crazy. What the fuck is happening? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that is an understandable response given the information that they probably had. I mean, I think you definitely have a point there. I mean, it's it's easier to look back now. But also, this is years after the Iran-Contra affair. Um, and I think, um, was it, is it the Pentagon Papers? Like, this is after the release of um, a bunch of... Uh, no, I'm thinking of something else. But um, I think it was, it was... It had come out that, like, the CIA had been doing really dirty stuff down in central and south america and may have been literally involved in like cocaine production um so i don't know i i feel like there is a lot of stuff out there well they were all pardoned in the final days of the presidency of george hw bush so (sighs) i i think we can't really judge them because they were pardoned Mm -hmm. so we should just drop it Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> They're innocent. Innocent. Um, yeah, it's... I think I've said this before on this show, but... Um, Americans... Mo- most Americans have so little knowledge of what our country has done, uh, especially uh, organizations like the CIA, um, and that if you try to reference them or talk about them or explain them, you sound like a raving lunatic when you say, yeah. like... And, you know, like MK Ultra, how the CIA wanted to experiment and develop mind control drugs. So they started just slipping LSD to random Americans. Uh, sounds like a conspiracy theory. Actually happened. Um, so that's cool. Love our country. So that's cool. And I'm proud to be an American. Um, let's get back to this song. Uh, crack attack. Where are these stomp drugged at random? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, even in an environment of not having much information, it is a shitty thing and a bad impulse to 
do a bunch of victim blaming in a song um is sort of my take on it like yeah uh yeah i mean uh i don't know like i agree that it is shitty but i also feel like even just like the language of victim blaming is if not new it is newly ubiquitous um yeah and like this this sort of like way of thinking being available to people at large um and like a counter programming of like how to assess society mm-hmm. um yeah like i agree that i don't enjoy this song i don't think this is a helpful song right. this is a talking about the issues but keeping it funky song and mostly is pretty regressive yeah. But I also feel like it's it is not that victim blamey. Um I okay. Hmm. I mm-hmm. know <laughs> mm-hmm. Ooh, I, I you I like where this is going. I know what it's I know what it feels like to have people in your life who for whatever reason are making really terrible choices. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it is because of the substances they're on or because of the chemicals that their own brains are making mm-hmm. um, or whatever. And what it feels like personally to have them let you down because of the situation that they are in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does not mean that it is like their fault systemically, but on an interpersonal level, it is still very like disappointing and hurtful in your like interactions with people who are in the middle of something like this. And like this, I think the most judgmental that this song gets is in the rap from freedom. When it says you dissed your father, sister, your mother. Right. Um, uh, and then it even says times have tried too hard to your answer to give up instead of live up. Um, I don't exactly know what that means, but it, <laughs> it, it feels like it's saying like you're having a hard time and you're deciding to give up in in or cope in some unhealthy or unsustainable ways. Um, maybe is a generous reading of that. Yeah. I think you've got a and, point. Yeah, I think Grace Jones's part is mostly just like, look at these poor people who are addicted to crack. Just don't do it. I think you you have a point that like she is not all that judgmental, and that the more judgmental parts are definitely like from him. Yeah. So I think that this is definitely per- perpetuating some narratives mm-hmm. um but at the same time it's like the call it's it's like a the call's coming from inside the house you know and like um even if it's not like the perfect take at the at, in the moment like maybe this song could be useful to as much as like dare is like you know the program is like fucked mm-hmm. and like terrible like it doesn't mean that there were no positive positive influences on individuals in keeping them away for certain. Th- I was terrified of drugs, mm-hmm. like for a really long time, and um, it kept me my my terror of drugs kept me from using drugs as, drugs as a coping mechanism. I used a bunch of other unhealthy coping mechanisms, but Mm -hmm. maybe that were a little bit less dangerous. Hmm. And um, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, it is possible that there is some usefulness to this song 
especially since it isn't completely judgmental in the song. It is mostly describing as opposed to moralizing. Yeah, there so there is a bit of moralizing that she gets to in near the end or the middle, I guess. Um they're living for the blow. They get it, babe, doing it for the thrill. It's so insane, such danger for a thrill. That is the yeah. language of like shitty judgmentalness of just being like, Oh, look at these people. They just want they just want to get a thrill and they're just like putting themselves in danger. It's like Right. It's blaming hedonism as opposed to something else. Right. Um, I just as opposed I, to coping. I think um I hear what you're saying, and I think you do have a point. I just think that, like, the 80s was was a decade that was just awash in white anxiety and white um, reactionaryism. And you hear so much, and you see depicted so much, like, the decaying inner cities. Like, the phrase inner city. And yeah. um, just, like, the slums and, like, just full of drug zombies and I don't think it takes an especially like advanced thinker to like look at that and instead of saying, man, all these black people, they're just like living in the inner city. They just must really, really like living in slums. God, they right. really just like living in shitty housing and having bad jobs. It's weird. I mean, I wouldn't choose that. I would choose to have a good job and live in a suburb. But, you know, they must like it, I guess. Like it, it's, it's, it's such a weird like way of thinking i don't think it takes an especially advanced thinker to be like well maybe there's something else here going on besides just each person choosing every circumstance of their life you know right of course yeah i'm yeah at the same time like i'm i know that there is a long and complicated history of marginalized groups engaging in respectability politics Mm. in order to try to survive as a group and, and Mm -hmm. to try to maintain respectability. Mm -hmm. And it is, it is complex Mm -hmm. and it is problematic. Mm -hmm. uh, And it is sub marginalizing, you know, to groups within the marginalized groups. Yeah. Um, But I, I want to like, I want to have an attitude of empathy for like why that behavior happens, even though I know that it is problematic and unsustainable and isn't solving for pattern. So, and like when I hear this song, I think about, I, I think about, yeah, like people within that group saying like, we have a problem in our community Mm -hmm. and what do we need to do about it? All that being said, this is not a good song. No. Like, even just on a songwriting level, this this doesn't have very much to say. And it's it's very much a talking about the issues keeping a funky song. And um, mm-hmm. But I guess I'm trying to, like, pull apart, you know, my, like, woke, you know, like, response yeah. to this song. and Like, mm-hmm. my 2022 response to the song. And be like... Uh, I don't know. I've had, I've had people in my life addicted to meth and it's just like, I don't know what to fucking do, you know, just like, (laughs) uh, you know, outside of the systems, it's just like, this person is like, 
uh, absolutely spiraling and I don't know what to do. And like, maybe they need like tough love and maybe they need judgment and they, maybe they need shame, you know? And like, Mm -hmm. like I've experienced all of that stuff in my life. And, you know, it's just like, it's not particularly responsible in hindsight for grace to be putting all of this stuff in this song. But, Mm -hmm. um, I understand where it's coming from. And I can even imagine grace being like, sorry, I think it's more journalistically acceptable to be like Jones Mm. for, for Jones, for Jones to be like, um, I should probably say something about this. Yeah. That's a good point. So I don't think this is a good song. Right. Even on just like on a songwriting standard and obviously also on an issues level, just like this is not helping. Mm-hmm. But I understand, I think, the general like feeling of where this is coming from mm-hmm. and the desire to like, I have a platform, I should say something, I should, I, I'm an empathetic, empathetic person, I should do something. And, uh, and the feeling of like, I need to do something and then the pressure to do that. And then Ooh, did that help? Actually, <laughs> yes. That is a <laughs> was good point. my take actually necessary? You know, yeah. like I don't know. I don't feel that judgmental of Grace Jones uh, because of how fucking complicated all that stuff is. Yeah, and I think all things considered, this song isn't that bad. Right? Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I think there are. I'm sure much worse songs about the crack epidemic, um, and it is very different coming from Grace Jones versus just like some white suburban yeah. person. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it's getting a bit late. Do we, are there any other songs? Oh God, it's ten thirty. Yeah. Um, will you just play a sample from seduction surrender and then we can call it good. Sure. Yeah. I don't think there's really anything else going on in this album that it's going to be worth no. talking about. Fire. You won't even talk about the autonomous. Eyes fill the dark, feel your embrace, losing control, surrender. Man, a lot of like late 80s pop literally sounds like it is taking place in the factory from Footloose that Kevin Bacon dances through. There's like buzz saws <laughs> and like clankings and it's it's an odd sound. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was is so prevalent at that time and then it just disappears. I wonder if if uh Nirvana killed it as they killed so many I'm other a- things. I mostly wanted to talk about this song because it has the line, hard is the flesh, soft is the night. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's really funny. That is a good line. (laughs) (laughs) It's so stupid. Oh, that's great. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm like flipping through the lyrics for some of these other songs and it's just like, eh, I don't know. Um, Yeah. And the CD version of the song, which we're not covering because we typically just cover the albums as as they were when they were released um the cd version of the song has a very odd song called don't cry freedom which features a a vocal performance by chris stanley the producer and her husband not husband um the schrodinger's husband um and he sounds 
so much like David Liebehart from uh, uh, the Tim and Eric okay. show. So it's kind of a shame that we're not talking about that song. Uh, but that's that's a bonus if people want to check that out. All right. Yeah. That's the um, I want to meet that dad. No, that's someone else. Yeah, no, that's, that's a uh, Pierre. That's Pierre. Who's yeah. What songs does David Liebehart do? Salome. He's the guy with the puppets. <laughs> that's right. Um, he has a really weird song about like not fucking donuts if you're in the army or something. Oh What's that God. one? <laughs> or maybe you're supposed to fuck donuts instead of going to see a sex worker. I forget what the the main thrust of the song is, so to speak. Um, I can't remember if it's pro or anti fucking donuts. <laughs> <laughs> you got to choose a side. <laughs> there is no such thing Which as neutrality. Side are you on? That's what Pete Se- Seeger sang about. Yeah, donut, donut fucking. fucking. <laughs> oh shit! All right, well. We got to close up this year. Gotta be done. Gotta be done. It's so late and I'm so tired. Um, Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll be back next week with, uh, it's called Hurricane, I think. Um, Her last up to now album from 2008. So it's like 20, almost, uh, yeah, almost 20 years exactly after this. Yeah, uh, I can't wait. That's going to be amazing. Um, Yeah. And it's going to be so different. I can't. And the cover is really weird, um, which I like. I hope that means the album is weird, too. Um, But that's a teaser for next week. That's when we'll talk about it. Until that time, you can engage with our brand by going to boxset.website, emailing us at email at boxset.website, tweet us at podcast. going on the Discord. Um, On the Discord, you can see our episodes happen live and look at our cherubic faces as we dance to the music of the sound samples we play. And we typically do that at, on 8.30s on Wednesdays, Pacific time. Um, sometimes we move it around, and we're not always great about telling people on the Discord that. But sometimes I, we do it at a different time every week. Sometimes it's different every time. Um, you can also support us by uh, spreading word about the show, telling people about it, reviewing us on all the platforms i don't know if spotify has podcast reviews yet but you could do that um and if you want to support us directly you can go to our patreon support.boxset.website you'll get access to all of our bonus material including our weekly mini show called what's in the box weekly this week we talked about a video game called oxen free and how it's not typically the kind of thing that i like but i kind of liked it maybe hmm. and then cameron talked about let me see if i can get this onigirazu is that right yes Hooray! Yes. I am the smart boy. Um, which is kind of a burrito sandwich dumpling sushi roll. <laughs> uh, which sounds delicious. And we talked about its origin. And what you might put in one of those. And is it good? You'll have to kick us a few bucks to find out. Support.boxset.website. Patreon. Yeah. Um, you should also listen to Cameron's other podcast. It's called Get Up in the Cool. And uh the cool thing is that their kickstarter got funded so you can also yes. be able to get thank you to everyone who supported Albion. that yes shout out to solid b minus yeah <laughs> i think that's the box set listener mm-hmm. who yeah. who turned uh, i think who is the person who was the i think the 69th backer oh hell yeah 
<laughs> and single-handedly put it above the funding goal is is yeah. the the mythology that I'm just going to create about it too. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, well, so, thanks for listening. Uh, you know, fo- follow Tall Poppy String Band on uh, all of the social networks, all the socials. and uh, the album will be released sometime soon. Yeah. Keep an eye on that. And keep an eye on us for next week. And until then, I've been Nathan Hunt. And if I had two lips, I could give you that killer kiss. I'm, I've been Cameron DeWitt. And I've got an upside down ass. <laughs> <laughs>